You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Lucy Killison. This is the WFHB local news for Tuesday, January 10th, 2022. They are trying to uh, build this new monstrosity. But public comment doesn't offer a dialogue and it doesn't offer real collaboration. Later in the program, WFHB correspondent Kayan Tara reported on the latest Community Justice Reform Committee meeting where local officials have hit yet another roadblock in their plans for a new jail. Tara also attended an event from the activist group Care Not Cages, who opposes the construction of a new jail facility. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have Little Bub's Little Show, a co-production between WFHB and Little Bub's Big Fund. But first, your daily headlines. At the Monroe County Board of Zoning Appeals meeting on January 4th, petitioner Renewing Properties LLC asked the board to approve a zoning variance for a property located at 8482 South Fairfax Road. Representing the company, Land Development Services consultant David Gilman explained the request is unique in that they are attempting to turn a 10-bedroom home into a rental property, which falls in between the zoning guidelines for both tourist homes and hotels. Uh, Renewing Properties LLC is petitioning the board tonight to establish a 10,000-square-foot, 10-bedroom home to allow for short-term lodging. Um, In your chapter 802 of the ordinance, there is a definition for a tourist home, but that limits it to four bedrooms. Um, Anything greater than five bedrooms, technically by definition, would be considered a hotel. Um, The difference in the distinction from what we're asking this board to consider in our use variants versus the definition of a hotel or what you typically would think of as a hotel is that you would have to lease the entire 10-bedroom single-family home. We're not interested in leasing any individual bedrooms or half the home. It's basically going to be a luxury, short-term leasing, 10,000-square-foot home um, for families or group. Gilman shared his findings of fact on the property and the project. He said the construction would not have any adverse impact on the surrounding neighbors since it would take place inside the house. So what I've done is I've shared the findings of fact because I think it's very important part of your decision-making process for today. We believe we met the findings for a use variance. We do have a 16-acre piece of property that is unique. It's uniquely shaped. It's part of a mixed-use area um, in along Fairfax Road. It's been vacant for 23 years. If there were a user or a buyer that wanted to purchase this home as a single family dwelling, we've had some very good times in our economy. It would have been a good piece to snatch up, crickets. My client bought it because he felt that it would be a great opportunity to use the resources and experience they have in rehabbing larger structures and then Um, offering the place to allow people to experience beautiful Monroe County uh, near the reservoir in the Four Seasons. 
We don't think the grant will interfere or be injurious to the general public because all the construction inside and out will be done to the city code um, county requirements before it can be occupied. Um, and I think just recently the septic's been installed to accommodate a 10 bedroom. So the septic's good, the construction will be completed and supervised uh, through the county. And then again, should you grant the variance, we would agree to go through the commercial site plan review with your staff. The home is well buffered and would have, in our opinion, no adverse impact on adjacent property values. We have no intention of removing those trees or doing any clearing. That's part of the beauty of the isolation of this property that we've seen. We're not requesting a rezoning. We're only asking you to grant us a very specific use subject to a plan of operation, commercial site plan review, and the residential elevations and the footprint as you see it today. Board member Pamela Davis questioned if the findings of fact he stated were provided by the petitioners or by the staff. He said he had provided them. Yes, thank you. The findings of fact, where do those come from? They aren't in our packet. So are are they, are, who, who found those facts? I prepared them. You prepared yes. the findings of fact. Okay. And what I wanted to do is demonstrate, in our opinion, in our presentation to this board, how we think we've met the findings of for use. Chair of the board, Margaret Clemens, asked the staff if they thought the petitioners had provided factual findings. Planning Development Planner 2, Anne Crisilis, responded and shared the department's standards for approval. Um, so the staff... We, those are the criteria that are set out for our use variance. Um, we also have those included in the packet. One of the more difficult challenges to overcome is the unnecessary hardship finding for use variances. Um, so we can go into a little bit of um, our discussion on those if, if you would like, if that's the question from the board at this time. Um, yes, I'd like uh, if it, you would be so kind as well as um, whether or not uh, an approval would substantially interfere with the comprehensive plan and for surrounding um, homes because your recommendation is denial. Yes. yes. So I think Anne has uh, prepared the standards for approval on the on the screen here. Um, so I think we might also pull up the, okay, so at the bottom you have um, hardship or unnecessary hardship. A significant injury that arises from the strict application of this ordinance to the conditions of a particular existing parcel of property effectively deprive the parcel owner of all reasonable economic use of the parcel and is clearly more significant than compliance cost or practical difficulties. So I think if any of these are denied, similar to design standards variances, we're unable to offer a recommendation of approval. And since this property is zoned for single family use, um, as well as other uses are permitted in this district, we don't believe that it effectively deprives the parcel owner of all reasonable economic use. Vice Chair Skip Daly asked County Legal if they approved this variance, if it would establish any precedent for future cases involving temporary rentals. County Attorney David Schilling responded that it would not. 
Board member Guy Loftman was in favor of approving the request. From my perspective, talk about unique. There's a 23-year-old property that's never been occupied, never can be occupied unless somebody comes in and, and saves it. And we have somebody who's willing to come in and save it, put a lot of money into it. I, I see no possible other use. Uh, nobody's going to buy it uh, for a, a private residence. And if they wanted to, they would have. Uh, so so it seems to me that that all the conditions uh, are are met. And after we've had a chance for discussion, yes. I'll be prepared to make a motion to that effect. Chair of the board, Margaret Clements, summarized that the property is zoned residential and explained that is why she does not approve the request for fear of changing the character of the area. Yes, and I would just like to uh, speak on behalf of the comprehensive plan, that the comprehensive plan has this zoned as uh, residential and um, and that this is a, a, a strong variation from that. And so... Uh, I think it would set a precedent around the lake as far as commercial development is concerned. And even though uh, when the trees are filled out, it's true that it can't be seen by neighboring properties, that um, that when the tree leaves are down, uh, that perhaps it would uh, alter the character of the area. And as we've seen, you know, perhaps since the decision was made to sell the property, um, you know, and take it outside of the family. There have been several um, occasions on which that has happened. So I don't see yet that um, that no additional value could be had in the current uh, zoning for with a preference for residential. I don't think those uh, choices have been exhausted, or that the value for the property. Um, uh, cannot be achieved in some other way. That's my feeling. Lofman added the use would be similar to if a family was large enough to fill up a 10-bedroom house. Well, the, the property is going to be there. Yes. The, the house is going to be there no matter how it's used or continues to not be used. So yes. I, I think the and and if it was a family that had 10 bedrooms used, the from my perspective, which was the intended residential use, it wouldn't have a very different impact on this. And I don't, it, it, I, to me, the alternative is to have this resource deteriorate and go further to waste. And that's, that's, that's why I find it compelling. Davidson agreed with Lofton, saying the fact that the property was never finished or occupied for 20 years was a good reason to prove the variance. In my mind, the facts that it has sat for 23 years and it's never been fixed, finished, has never been occupied, uh, the state of it, the number of transfers, and Guy, you're right, a large family, cheaper by the dozen. There would be kids coming all the time with cars and work activities and friends and all those things. So it could get the same kind of use. So I, I worry too about a wasting asset that uh, 23 years with no occupancy and never done. And it's a miracle. It hasn't fallen into timbers out there and just been a lost in a way. So I see the usefulness in what you're saying, Guy. 
Cresselius asked the board to specify that the house could not be built any bigger than the existing 10 bedrooms. The board agreed. The board voted 3-1-1 to one to one on passing the use variance, with Margaret Clemens voting no and D. Owens abstaining. Clemens informed the board that at their next meeting on February 1st, they will discuss establishing a consent agenda. At the Monroe County Women's Commission meeting on January 5th, Commission member Susan Hingle gave an update on the ordinance to decrease the number of seats on the commission to seven. Hingle shared that the commissioners will amend the ordinance to increase the number of seats back to its original 11 positions. The ordinance was changed to to reduce us to seven members. It changed a lot of the um, residence requirements. Um, It got rid of the city person, the city uh, representative from the um, status on the Bloomington Commission on the Status of Women. Um, And that's that. So, but I, so that makes our quorum four, which was really part of the plan. We will talk about more of this in a minute when, uh, after I'm done, but we had a meeting. These will be changed back to 11. So we are getting changed back to 11 um, because we requested that. I think the, um, I'm 100%, I'm pretty certain that the resident requirements and stuff will stay the same, that they're getting rid of those for us to make it a little bit easier for us to get people on the, um, the board. Hingle explained that the commissioners changed the ordinance because they heard the commission was struggling to meet their quorum and wanted to help by reducing the number of people necessary to be in attendance down to four. However, Hingle says that the Women's Commission was not informed about the decision and wanted to ensure that the appointed commissioners would be able to be reappointed. Commissioner Jennifer Crossley apologized for the miscommunication and said she thought the commission had been aware of the ordinance, and she said she would make sure, as the liaison between the county council and the Women's Commission, that the communication would be improved moving forward. So my apologies for um, my end, because I figured staff that attended the meeting, um, the 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 previous uh, Women's Commission meeting, had discussed this um, with everybody. So I I apologize if that was my error. I did not think that, I'd, yes. So I will say I'm disappointed in that aspect. Um, and I was also disappointed in the fact that um, Commissioner Douglas did not know um, what was going on until we had the conversation. So, um, My intentions for the new year, and I think it's the sentiment for the rest of our commission here, is to make sure that we are having full transparency um, with this commission, um, which involves open communication, dialogue, things of that sort uh, that will continue to happen. Um, I also hope that because I know you had mentioned that we were going to discuss it here in this point. Um, I am surprised to hear that the you got an email um, from Commissioner Thomas. I have not received any of this. So I today is the first time that I'm hearing that it's now going back to 11. Um, so the moral of the story is there is some there's communication breakdown. Um, that is happening. And I really hope for this commission, because 
we are some very powerful women on this commission and our missions and goals and objectives is to do some really great work. But it seems to be that it is very hindered through communication. Um, maybe I am also a part of that. I will own up to that as well. But moving forward, um, my intention for 23 as the liaison, if I continue to be on, because uh, we all will get new appointments here very shortly, um, is that it will be better for the new year. Hingle explained how the communication breakdown happened. So I'm glad Maria's here via Zoom. And that, um, so Maria, Nikki and I hopped onto office hours. We had no idea. I didn't know. I don't think we knew who we were going to get. Um, and we happened to get Julie Thomas, which I was commissioner Thomas. So I was really excited because I know she has been involved with the commission in the beginning or pretty close to the beginning. Um, and we went to talk to her pretty much about just a lot of things, but, uh, you know, certainly about being frustrated that this happened without our knowledge. Commissioner Maria Douglas explained how the conversation went with Commissioner Julie Thomas during the commissioner's office hours. She also shared why having a higher number of seats available on the commission is important. So it came to my attention that uh, with the re- Reduction of the the um, commission, which again, as Susan said, was just in our opinion sprung on us in the meeting on in December. Um, that uh, I, my seat was going to roll off, and please know this is not about Maria having a seat. It's about this commission being having enough members to do the work that they need to do, having the diversity that they need to be inclusive. Um, And um, also, you know, to the point of what Jennifer was saying, you know, to encourage, you know, communication and transparency. So we felt this needed to be addressed and we hopped on, you know, the, the office hours, thank God that same day, that same evening. And um, she was on, Julie was under the impression that this is something that we wanted. And so we made, uh, whereas at one point in time, Probably in the summer, we were having issues getting quorum, but we have been as clearly, you know, Tiana sent her husband. Like, you know, we've been working very hard, you know, to have to recruit, you know, to recruit and to have to get quorum. So we weren't making any more noise, if you will, about quorum because we had our, felt like we had it under control. Um, and with so much interest from other people wanting to get involved, um, with the commission, we were like, oh, we're good. We just have to get these, you know, these, um, these, uh, applications in and get it, you know, get it pushed through the system. And we will not have trouble because, you know, we have several handful, at least, uh, females, uh, are, you know, are interested in, in joining. So, um, Julie, again, to Jennifer's point, Julie said that she was unaware, you know, that we were able to make quorum with 11. Um, She uh, understood the, um, our confusion and frustration over not being, uh, told or having the opportunity to discuss it. And she but 
was extremely apologetic and um, owned that uh, that was a um, unfortunate lack of communication between the commissioners and the women's commission. She um, is in support of us going back to 11. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I want to say about that. Commissioner Nikki Williamson added that Thomas suggested members of the Women's Commission attend the county commissioners meeting as well to improve communication between the commissions. Yeah, I think that's good. I, I'll add a couple things. Um, so that was the the basic uh, purpose of our attending. And um, I think I can speak for us that we were pleased um, with Commissioner Thomas's communication and um, ability to hear our concerns and validate them um, and offer our apology as well, which I think was important because we felt pretty stepped on. Um, uh, in addition, um, we talked a lot about uh, the work that we are trying to do and have been working really hard at getting us together and get on the same page and understand the ordinances and the various expectations of this commission during a transition as well in terms of leadership. Um, and she was supportive of that and I think heard our intention that we would be very communicative with them and expected the same in return. Um, And uh, we shared that we planned on having a representative from our commission at their commission meetings weekly, um, as much as we are able to, just to keep up in the know, answer questions, and then be able to report out to ourselves. Um, And then finally, I would say that uh, she also offered support um, in terms of helping us understand the various aspects to being on a commission like this, um, as well as offering support in terms of helping us with a retreat and um, connections in the community. Um, Yeah, and I think the plan at the end was that she was going to check in with the rest of kind of the commissioners, uh, ask for an amendment, and then talked about um, the ability to reinstate uh, Maria as a commissioner. Um, in January. Crossley clarified that since Douglas was appointed by the county council and her term ended, she will need to be reappointed. Commissioner Tiana Iroje asked about the quorum number they will need to meet once they return to 11 members. Hingle replied saying they will need six members to meet quorum. The next Monroe County Women's Commission meeting will be held on February 2nd. The Monroe County Community Justice Response Committee, or CJRC, had its first meeting of the year this Monday to address the next steps in building a new Monroe County Jail. Previous attempts to purchase and rezone land for the build on almost 90 acres of land beside I-69 and West Fullerton Pike failed in December of last year. The meeting was tense, with committee members disagreeing on land availability, level of community collaboration, and other key issues. District 5 Representative Isabel Piedmont-Smith, who attended the meeting as a member of the public, noted her frustration at the process. I feel like um, 
the county commissioners have a roadmap of how they want this process to work, but they haven't shared that roadmap with the other committee members or with other people in the public who are, are very concerned about this, uh, the criminal justice, uh, community justice uh, future in our town. Commissioners noted that their first goal is to identify a new jail location and move forward with land purchase for a new jail. Members of the committee and the public openly expressed disappointment and frustration at how representatives from the Board of County Commissioners have dealt with the whole process. Well, the county's public engagement director, Kisa Goodman, spoke through public commentary time allotted for the end of the meeting, she still feels the community's voice in this issue remains unheard. But public comment doesn't offer a dialogue and it doesn't offer real collaboration. It's, it's, it's hearing, but it's not being able to follow up or ask questions and it's not like an ongoing conversation. So it doesn't feel sufficient for the amount of work that we have to do. And even if, even if theoretically they responded at the next meeting to some of the comments that were made tonight, that just is a super inefficient process in terms of like finding actual solutions. Prior to the meeting, the group Care Not Cages held a block party outside the courthouse to protest the Monroe County jail expansion. King Trill, who attended the event, came to represent IDOC Watch, an Indiana organization focused on criminal justice reform. They are trying to uh, build this new monstrosity that can detain even more people and deny even more people of freedom, liberty, and an opportunity to uh, uh, to pursue a successful life, you know. Um, this is the only industry that I've ever seen that people throw so much money into it and continue to expand and continue to grow, but every time you talk to them, they say they're losing. The next meeting of the CJRC is set for January 23rd at 4.30 p.m. Up next, we have Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We turn now to that segment. Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. First, here's today's featured animal. Bonnie is a bully breed mixed dog, just over seven years old. She has a huge heart and just needs a chance to show you how great she can be. Bonnie is initially reserved and seems to have a preference for women, but she is coming around more every day. Once warmed up, Bonnie is a snuggle bug who enjoys giving and getting affection. She loves a good gentle scratch session and ear massage, which she rewards by collapsing in your lap. Bonnie is chill in the house where she settles right in and enjoys a nap. When the leash comes out, she gets excited and does a whiny dance. She adores going for walks and, given the space, can do zoomies all day long. 
Bonnie has gotten along well with another dog and has no apparent resource guarding concerns, nor is she dog reactive. Because she is strong and gets excited, play is best done remotely with activities such as chasing sticks or toys. Bonnie is reliably house trained and sleeps quietly through the night on her dog bed. She tolerates her crate but exhibits some initial anxious behavior, which resolves itself. Bonnie is very food motivated, which should be a huge help with training. How she is with cats or children is unknown, but shelter staff suspect a household with adults and older children would be fitting. If you're interested in adopting today's featured pet, you can learn more at our websites, goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. There are a lot of misconceptions surrounding pit bulls. Many people think of pit bulls as aggressive, destructive dogs, and for that reason, do not envision them as household pets. Pit bulls and pit bull mixes are very commonly found in animal shelters. According to the ASPCA, while some pit bulls have been bred to bite and hold large animals or other dogs, most pit bull type dogs today are the result of random breeding with a large variety of genetic predispositions. Many people enjoy pit bulls as companion animals and family pets, noted for their gentleness, affection, and loyalty. Abundant variation exists among individuals of the same breed or breed type. Early social experiences are crucial in preventing aggressive behaviors. Treating all dogs as individuals and judging them by their actions rather than their breed or physical appearance is the best way to ensure their suitability as a companion animal. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, Find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org.